What's up, everybody? It's Marvin with My Site Auditor, and this is the podcast, How to Run a Successful SEO Company. And this podcast that we're going to do today is all about the acquisition. So I had been running a successful SEO company for about 10 years, and then finally in the 11th year, my company was successfully acquired by a much bigger firm, leaving me very, very happy. And I just want to tell you uh, kind of how I did that, some of the experiences I had to maybe save you some time, save you some money if you're looking to become acquired yourself. So the actual acquisition, let's talk about that. So last year, right about this time, I decided that I had to do something. I was stuck between two companies, you know, on one side I had the Ocean Agency. You know, I was it was ten years in the business. It was very successful. We were making a ton of money. I had a big team of people. We were running, you know, every single day doing our work, and it was almost ninety five percent of my time, all day every day, was consumed by Ocean. But on the other hand, I had my side auditor. It was new software. I had just developed it over the last year, and it was starting to really take off. People were subscribing left and right. People were paying to use the monthly services that we offered, the monthly tool that we offered, I should say. And it was really growing, and I saw a huge amount of potential. Most importantly, I saw the opportunity to work smarter, not harder, right? So we've talked about that in the past. One of the most important things that I think a successful person mentally and physically and from a business standpoint is, is the has, that person has the ability or uh, or spots the ability to work smarter instead of harder. And that's super important to me. I say that a lot. And my side auditor gave me that chance. And here's what I mean by that. Ocean, I worked all day every day. Clients were in and out of our office. I was in sales meetings. I'm in strategy meetings. It's a full-time job. And if I wanted to make a ton of money, if I want to be you know, a millionaire, I was going to have to put in 14, 15 hours a day every single day forever to get to the point where I was making a ton of money. And the trade-off just wasn't worth it to me anymore. I don't I didn't want to work 14-hour days. I didn't want to make millions of dollars in exchange for giving up my freedom, which my freedom of time, I should say. So, I wanted something different and I got into the software as a service world through my site auditor and that was really taking off and people were subscribing and using my tool and paying me monthly for it and there wasn't really any overhead I didn't have there was there was you know I had support tickets I had to respond to every once in a while but it was very very low maintenance and it was making a ton of money and starting to grow like crazy and this was my opportunity that hey if I want to grow you know as a successful entrepreneur and make a lot of money and be very happy and work a lot less this was my opportunity. And like I've always said in the past, you've got, if you want to make more money, you have two choices. You can either work smarter or work, or work harder. In Ocean, I would have to work harder, but my site auditor, I could work smarter to make more money. So about last year at this time, I decided I was going to reach out to a few local entrepreneurs and just ask, what should I do? You know, I have, I'm torn between these two companies and I don't know how to make the transition. I don't know what to do. So literally, I just... Googled top entrepreneurs in Chicago. Literally, that's what I did, and I came across this guy named John Morris. He was a, he is the CEO of Rise Interactive, a multi million dollar digital agency in uh, Chicago, and he's also a professor or he teaches entrepreneurship at Booth, um, the Chicago University. So I literally just found his email, emailed him, read a little bit about him, emailed him, and said, "Hey, John, can I have five minutes of your time? I have a dilemma. I'm an entrepreneur. I've got two companies. They're both successful." I don't know what to do. Within a few minutes, this guy emailed me back and said, sure, let's jump on a call. 
So we set up a call. I jumped on the call with him and he heard me out. I told him my dilemma between my two companies and he said, I know exactly what your problem is. I've seen it a million times before. I get it. What you need to do is just pick and choose. Pick and choose where you're going to put your time and where you're going to put your energy and where you're going to put your focus. And he's like, clearly you can't do both. You can't focus on Ocean all, all day, every day, and then come home at night and focus on my side auditor. You're going to be burnt out. You've got to pick and choose. Yeah, there's some entrepreneurs out there that can do both and, and focus and they have a lot more energy. Most of them can't and you can't do this. You need to pick and choose. If you want to be successful, you've got to pick one. And you know, I kind of thought to myself, all right, Ocean, I can make a lot of money, but I have to work hard. My side auditor, I can make a lot of money, but I, I get to work smart. So it was obvious to me, I want to, I choose my side auditor. And I kind of felt guilty about that because, you know, I've been running Ocean for 10 years. I had a team of people, clients, all that stuff. But I picked my side auditor. He said, okay, great. You pick that. And he's like, I kind of knew that's what you're going to pick because of the way you speak about my side auditor versus Ocean. You love Ocean, but it's kind of like something you have to let go and you got to move on to my side auditor. So here's what you need to do. Ocean is in the digital marketing industry. You focus on these few services, you know, mainly SEO, web design, conversion optimization, those things. So you need to find somebody in the same industry with you to come in and acquire your company. And my first question was, is it really that easy? And he's like, it's it's not easy, but it can be. You just got to be strategic about it. You know, find somebody else that's in your industry that's looking to expand and grow their company that likes being in the digital marketing industry but wants to expand and grow. And what you'll find is most people want to grow and expand. So he actually had a recommendation. I speak to a guy named Chris. Chris was the CEO of Logical Media Group here in Chicago. And all they did was PPC. They they were very successful. They had a huge department. And all they did was pay-per-click advertising for customers for the same target market as we had. But they did something a little bit different in the digital marketing industry. They did just PPC. Well, John told me that Chris had mentioned to him that he wants to expand and grow into these different areas of digital marketing, mainly SEO, you know, web design, conversion optimization. So he hooked us up and we jumped on a call together, Chris and I, and we started talking and then we found ourselves at a local Starbucks speaking even further about it. And sure enough, Chris wanted to expand like most entrepreneurs. He wanted to expand and grow his company. And this looked like a really cool, interesting way to do it. Here I am providing very similar services, very similar services under the same umbrella service of digital marketing and, you know, services that complement his pay-per-click services. And I'm looking to do something else and he's looking to expand his digital marketing agency. So it was kind of a perfect fit. This, he could absorb our, my company and just kind of add on our process, our services, um, our people, our team, our contracts, our history underneath his umbrella. And now all of a sudden he's doubled or tripled in size and he's offering all those services. So the reason why I'm telling you this is that I found a buyer, a strategic buyer, I should say, that was in the same industry as me and wanted to expand. And what I think that you'll find is that most people in their industry, they want to grow and make more money. Now, Digital marketing happened to be his passion. He wanted to grow that agency. I had lost that passion. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with, with what I was doing. I just wanted to do something different. You know, it wasn't for me. It wasn't fitting my personality anymore. But it's it, but it was perfect for what he was doing. So this was a huge, mutually beneficial opportunity for, for, for both of us. And we probably met 
you know, 10 times over the next year. Um, well, I'd say probably actually more like 20 times over the next eight months, I should say, um, until we got to the actual acquisition part. And again, the reason why I'm telling you this is because it's not overly complicated and impossible to find a buyer who wants to acquire your company. You just got to be strategic about it. Don't look for somebody who is not in your industry that just wants to, you know, that, that wants to become a digital marketer or become um, something that you're doing that they've never done before. Look for somebody that's already in the industry that loves it and wants to expand. That's what I did. And it worked like a charm. The first person I reached out to now that's luck and it's not going to happen that quickly for everybody. But first person I reached out to, yeah, I want to expand. Yeah, I want to grow. Yeah, this is a great opportunity. I don't know how to do these other things, but you already do and your team already exists and your process is already in place and you've already been successful. We'll absorb, absorb that and we'll departmentalize everything. And now, you know, under his company, you've got a PPC division, an SEO division, a web design division, a conversion optimization division, all those different things. And it just made a lot of sense and it was a little bit easier to do rather than him learning the industry, learning SEO, learning web design. He could just absorb a team of people that already knew how, what they were doing. We already had clients. We already had our process. We already had contracts. We already had a reputation. We are we were ranked number one for Chicago SEO. We were ranked like number two or number three for Chicago web design. We got all the business in the world already. So it just made perfect sense. So to end this part of the conversation, I'm just saying find a strategic buyer, somebody that is in your industry that's looking to expand and might be missing some of the key areas that you've already covered and you've already been successful at. So the, the, the next thing I'll talk about is the characteristics of a good buyer. And these are just like personality characteristics that I look for. I remember years and years and years and years ago at CareerBuilder in my first job out of college, the guy that hired me asked me about raising a family or starting a family. Do I have any you know, uh, uh, bills to pay like uh, school loans and things like that. This is the guy who was hiring me, asked me, hey, Marvin, do you have a family you're starting? Do you have um, uh, student loans? Do you have a car payment? I didn't know why he was asking me this, but luckily, right before this conversation, I met with somebody that worked at the company and they said, be careful of these questions they're going to ask you. They're going to ask you things about raising a family. They're going to ask you about any loans that you have. They're going to ask you about what they're going to ask you about personal things that you might not understand why, but this is the reason is is that they want to know that you have something to work hard for. If you're raising a family, they know you're going to bust your butt. If you have student loans, they know you're going to work your ass off to pay those student loans. So it was just kind of strategic questions they were asking in the interview process, and I, I never really forgot that. So with my buyer, one thing I noticed is that he was an awesome family guy. You know, wife, two, two or three little kids, you know, three, four, five years old, maybe, maybe a little bit older than that. But this guy was a family guy, and I could tell, you know, after meeting meeting with him for twenty times over six or seven month period, that this guy would do anything it took to to for his family to to be the provider for his family. He would do anything. So that was a really good sign. So me personally, I like the fact that this person was a, a real family guy, and that was a huge important uh, piece for me. Um, the next thing I noticed was that when it came time to meet every single time, it was he was very studious, very trustworthy, very on point, never late, always exact, and it just rubbed off on me extremely well. It just he came across very polite, very good, very nice, and I'd say 
I'd say to, to, to kind of sum that up, I don't want to go into too many details about his personal characteristics, but to sum it up, I had been mad at myself so many times in the past because I didn't go with my gut. You know, my gut usually told me to do one thing and I would do something different. And I had kicked myself for that many times in the past. Well, my gut was screaming that this is the right guy. This is a good guy. This is, he's, he, he's trustworthy. He's, he's, he's got an established company. He's already been around for, you know, I think he'd been in business for eight years already. So that was a good sign. He'd already been doing what he's doing for eight years. He had a huge team of people. I think he had at least 20 people in his company. Um, and that was a great sign because I knew he wouldn't let his team down. I knew he wouldn't let his family down. Um, and it was just great sign. So my gut was screaming, go with this guy, go with this guy, keep moving forward. And keeping in mind that I, you know, went against my gut in the past and I regretted it. So I decided to go with my gut and really, really move forward with this with, with the buyer. So the next thing I had to do was finding a, finding a, find an attorney, excuse me. So finding an attorney was a little bit complicated, but I want to tell you this because it's going to save you a lot of time and a lot of money. The first attorney I was talking to, when I walked into his office, I had used him in the past, but I walked into his office and said, hey, um, there's another company acquiring me, looking to acquire me, and I have this new company I'm working on, and I'm moving on to this new company, and they're going to acquire the Ocean Agency, and they're going to take my team. I need someone to draw up a contract. Well, I think this person saw dollar signs. I think that's their eyes lit up in dollar signs because he was quoting me thirty, forty thousand dollars within the first hour, and I w- was asking, "Where is all that money going to go?" Well, trademarks. Uh, you got to protect your branding. You know, what if this guy wants to expand to France and China and uh, and all and what this and this and this? And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This I want something very simple, very easy. I don't want to be picky. I don't want to be fussy. Well, well you have to be picky. You have to, but you have to protect yourself. And I'm like, I get it. I know, but this, at the end of the day, it's just a piece of paper. It's a contract. If I don't trust the guy that I'm um, that's acquiring me, I'm. It's 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 going to be a big headache trying to establish trust on a piece of paper because it will never, never, ever, ever end. And I understand where he was coming from. You know, he wanted to protect me at any cost. But the way I see it, there's no way to fully protect you. You could you could write a contract to your face turns blue and write it out for years and years and years and you'll never be fully 100% protected. And by the time you are or you think you are, you've probably ruined the relationship because there's too many things that you guys don't you and the buyer won't agree on. So I kind of backed away from him and asked my accountant, who I really, really liked at the time, my current accountant, um, if he knew any attorneys. And lo and behold, yes, he did. And he referred me to a different attorney. And this lady I met with, early 30s, single attorney, her own little law firm, and she was absolutely 100% fantastic and fabulous. I think I paid maybe two $2,000 total for the acquisition contract. And the reason why I think it was so much cheaper than what the other guy was saying was that she was very straightforward with me and said, look, typically attorneys do this. We find document documents or use templates that we've used in the past. I've done a bunch of acquisitions in the past. Tell me what type of acquisition it is, and I'll kind of fill in the blanks and then add the clauses that you want. So she recommended that I meet with my buyer and just list off all the things that he wants and all the things that I want, all those clauses, just list them off, try to write them out, and then submit it back to her. So that's exactly what we did. We met and said, and, you know, Chris said, I want all these things. And I said, I want all those things. And we finally came to an agreement, which I want to talk about in a second, a little bit further about the agreement. And we submitted it back to my attorney. He had his attorney review all his stuff, and I had mine review my stuff. And she 
put it together, no problem. It wasn't rocket science. She said it was actually quite easy. You know, she used a, a template document and everything that I wanted, she put in there and everything he wanted, uh, she put in there and it was literally that easy. I think she probably spent like 20 hours on it max and it ended up costing me a couple thousand dollars. And it didn't, I didn't have to spend 30 or $40,000. So my point is, is that shop around for an attorney. It's like a doctor. Always go get a second opinion. You don't, don't go with the first person you meet unless you really like them. They have a very, uh, they fit within your budget, I should say, because there are plenty of attorneys out there that would do exactly what you're looking for within your budget. You just got to shop around a little bit. So anyway, the actual agreement I want to talk about a, a second, I want to talk about being greedy. Now I knew going into this, I could either draw this out for a year or two and make it a big, huge pain in the ass or, or, or not. And I decided going into this, like, look, I want to move on to my side auditor and do this new company. If I'm going to do that, I have got to not be, I, I can't be, I can't ask for everything and demand everything under the sun because perceived value is very different, right? The buyer has perceived value and I have perceived value. And those two values are very different. He thinks ocean's worth one thing. I think ocean's worth something else. You're never going to meet at the same exact number. So I had to be very, very lenient and very, very, very open, but at the same time, very, very, very fair. We came up with a formula on how to calculate what ocean was worth. We agreed on the formula. And then once we agreed on the formula... Um, we could figure out just by crunching the numbers on what Ocean made every year and all that stuff, how much the company is worth. And once we had the formula of how much the company was worth, um, all we did was figure out, all right, how am I going to get paid for this company? And there's a bunch of different ways you can do that. But my point is for telling you this is that don't be greedy, you know, be humble. Your company is worth a lot more to you than it is to your buyer. And that's just the way it's, it's going to be. It's just the natural thing. That's just the natural way people are. He doesn't, he or she is not going to want to pay a lot of money for it, and you're not going to want to sell it for really cheap. So you're going to have to be somewhat lenient, and uh, you, you can't be greedy, is, as, as I guess what I'm trying to say. So that being said, um, the the next thing to, to talk about is one thing that's important is make sure that your books are ready. And having your books ready, all that means is, you know, use some good accounting software that if somebody says, can I see a P&L sheet from 2013, you can boom, print it off right away. Or can I see a balance sheet from 2015? Can I see your tax returns? Whatever the case is, whatever you need to prove and show them, you want to be able to print off immediately and show them without any hesitation. Uh, one thing that I noticed was that my books weren't the cleanest and he kind of, my buyer kind of was hesitant at one point because I didn't, wasn't able to print off my P&L, my balance sheets within a split second. I had to go to my accountant, talk to him a while, organize some things and then come back to him, which was kind of turned him off a little bit because I think he thought that, you know, I should be able to print those things off within a split second, which is true. I should have been able to. And luckily I wasn't too far behind on my books and I was able to clean everything up real quick and make sure it was presentable and get him those documentations. But not before he kind of mentioned, like, I think you should be able to get this stuff a little bit quicker than you are. So my recommendation is, is make sure that your books are always balanced. Use good accounting software. Lessaccounting.com is fantastic. Uh, their motto was drew me into them. Uh, I think their motto was all accounting software sucks. We just suck the least. I think that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, a slogan. That's why I end up using them. So make sure your books are ready to go and ready to show. So the next thing uh, I did is um, I offered transitional services, right? So 
I told him and he knew that the acquisition was not going to include me. You know, I'm not looking for a boss. I wasn't looking to join a bigger company. I didn't want to be a department head of some bigger company. The acquisition didn't include me. So I had prepped all these things and got ready to make sure that the company could easily transition with the entire team over to his um, company. So our, our entire team was moving over to his offices. And some of the things that I offered was I started taping towards the end of our discussions and towards the, you know, the close of the deal, I started taping all of our sales meetings and recording them. And so he could have those sales meetings uh, on tape and listen to them as often as he wanted. I also offered three months of consulting where after the, the, the closing of the, the, the deal was finalized and our team moved into their offices, I offered three months of my time to work with him for X amount of hours per week. You know, it was like eight hours per week on transitioning. So I would go into meetings. I would attend sales meetings. I would do training, anything it took to make sure that their team was comfortable working with my team and all the services and products and all that stuff were clearly explained. The process was understood, the contracts, all that stuff. So I offered some transitional services because in order for him to be successful, he can't just take the company over one day and expect to to understand and know how everything works. Um, so... Another thing that I had to do was make sure my team was prepped for the acquisition. So towards the end of our discussions, the buyer and I, I started to realize that this deal was probably going to go through and I started to throw hints at my team. I didn't want to tell them 100% what was going on, but I started to give them hints. And I, you know, legally and ethically, I didn't want to say too much because you never know. The deal could have folded the last second and nothing would have happened. And I could have worried some of the team members for no reason. And the reason why I decided to tell them was, A, I wanted to be always transparent with them. And B, I didn't want them to, I don't know, just think that, be thrown off at the end at, at the end of these, at just to be thrown off and not understand or or understand why I was doing what I had to do. So we met every single Monday on a regular basis just for company meetings. And I started to tell them that, look, another company and I are talking about merging together and this company could possibly acquire us and you guys would become a part of a larger company. So what I did was I made sure that I always communicated all the positives and the benefits of the situation for them. And I wanted to make sure that they knew that I talked to the buyer and the buyer knew that agreed that every single person on my team would be taken care of and nobody was going to be let no one's going to be let go so no one's going to be fired and a lot of people get worried about change you know a lot of people on your team might get worried about the change and, and being fired or something like that because they have a new boss well i made sure with my buyer that that wasn't going to happen he promised me that my entire team would be taken care of and they would have the opportunity and right to work there as long as they continued to earn earn what they did every day so they took it extremely well and it's really how about you position it to your team you know you can either position it very scary or you can position it you know in a good way and i decided to focus on all the positive things and then alleviate all the negative things that really works so i let them in on it eventually the buyer once we closed the deal he came in and uh, met everybody had long talks with our team did a presentation in front of our team talked about him from a personal standpoint you know really try to be personal and meet the team my team and and get to know and get to know everybody, and it really worked out well for that. So the last thing I'll talk about is just letting Ocean go. 
Now, a lot of people are going to struggle with this. You're going to be so attached to your company that you're not going to want to let it go. And I'm here to tell you, you just have to do it. You know, I know it sounds simple to say, but you're going to be super attached. You're going to think it's your baby. You're going to, you're going to treat it like it's a family member and that you raised it from a, a newborn to where it is today. But if you want to be successful and move on and try different things like most entrepreneurs end up doing, you've got to learn to let it go. You know, just let it go. And if you found a good buyer that's going to continue your brand and build it and grow it even bigger, you can always look back and say, look, see the ocean and see, you know how big that company is? Well, I, I started and I founded that company. Look how big it is today. And I sold it in 2015. And, and you can have those memories. You can have those 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 thoughts for the rest of your life. And you can share those experiences with different people, you know, that you encounter over the years. But you have to learn to let it go because if not, you're just going to hang on to it forever. And if you're not happy and you've lost your passion, but you're holding on to your company because it's your baby, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, I wanted to tell you some of these experiences just to, you know, again, save you time and save you money if you are ever going to be acquired or looking to be acquired and make sure you research you know different types of acquisitions and you you know like um there's all different types of mergers or you know apas which are asset purchase agreements there's all different types of acquisitions look them up and do some research do some homework the one thing i can tell you it's not rocket science it really isn't if you want to be acquired just start researching it look at look it up and you know, do what I did. Just pick up the phone, or, or in this case, email. Just email some people and ask them, and talk to them, and ask other people for advice. Because that's really what it's about: networking and getting to know people and talking to people. And and I reached out to one person who connected me with another person, and boom, I had a buyer for my company, and I'm super happy now. The the acquisition was exactly what I was looking for. I got paid a lot of money for it. I'm extremely happy, and I'm able to focus on my side auditor now. While at the back of my head, knowing that Ocean, the the agency, is still around growing and still a successful brand and the brand is still there. It's not going anywhere. So, you know, like I said, it's it's one of those things where you're just going to wake up one day and decide to do it. And if you don't, you don't, you know. So that's it for uh, today's podcast. Um, I hope you learned a couple of valuable lessons. And uh, we will see you on the next and final podcast of how to run a successful SEO company.